honor to Elder Hart, Sister Hart. Appreciate them and this opportunity. We give honor to Brother John Stone. It's good to see you, Brother John Stone. I love and appreciate you. And I give honor to my wife, who's here, and it's always good to see you. Um, I give honor to Bishop and Sister Schoonover. I'm thankful for them. Amen. And I give honor to all of you, the body of Christ. I love you all. Appreciate you. I wouldn't be here without you, without the body of Christ. Amen. Why don't we pray real quick before we go into the word. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your presence that we feel here tonight, God. We're thankful for all that you are doing Lord, all that you have done and all that you are yet to do, we're thankful for it, God. We pray let our ears be open to you, God. Let our minds be open to you tonight, Jesus. Lord, we worship you. We praise you, God. We're thankful to you. Amen. Amen. And I give honor to my Union Gap brother, Brother Hart. Good to see you here tonight. In case you didn't know which brother heart. <laughs> I want to share a few things with you. I, I think I might refer to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 first, if you want somewhere to turn. Um, I was just remembering a time about 15 years ago maybe 14 or so, 13, somewhere in there. Um, we were living here in Yakima at the time, and my wife and I were asked to go over to Puyallup, spend a little bit of time with a, a minister that was visiting from out of state. We got to talk to him, and, and if you know me, I was thinking, as Brother, as Brother Johnstone said, he's a little bit of a workaholic and a little hyper. Uh, I don't think I'm either of those things. <laughs> uh, I'm not, no, I'm probably not a workaholic, and I usually am not hyper. I, I might get a little riled every now and then, but I'm usually way down here on the spectrum. Uh, but I, I was just one of those moments, you ever open your mouth and then you don't know how long it's going to be before you can close it because it's like words are coming out before you even really get to stop them. That was the moment I was in the car with this with this minister, and uh, before I know it, I was spilling my family history and telling him about my my brother and my cousins and my uncles and all all of this everything, and uh, I said that's them and that's not me and I'll never be that. That's paraphrasing the end of that conversation, and then I realized I had said a lot of, a lot and he hasn't had a lot of chance to speak yet, so I thought well. There you go, brother. Now I'll give you a chance to speak. But instead, he just processed everything that I said for an extra few minutes, it felt like. And he said, I'll never be. Those are very strong words. And it really, it kind of cut me inside the fact that he had to use my words against me to, to show me the mirror of myself and what I was saying 
that's not me. I can't do that. I won't do that. I don't want to do that. I have no, no desire to be those things. I don't even aspire to it. And he said, those are very strong words to say I'll never be. And what I have tried my best to determine since that point is to let the Lord decide what I'm going to be. Like what Brother Johnston was saying, I, I, I want it to be his ways. I don't want it to be mine. And I also don't want it to be my own uh, endeavors. It's kind of both sides of that coin. I've seen, I've seen people that are refusing to go to places that God is calling them to go in the spirit. And I've seen people that are getting a, ahead of the Lord and going places that he's not necessarily ready for them to go just yet. Either one of those, if you're doing it without his leading, either against his leading or ahead of his leading, you're, you, we need to find the middle ground and be led of the Lord and let him tell us what he expects us to be, what he expects us to do. I just wanted to show you this uh, passage really quickly. And, and my observation of 30-ish years now of living for the Lord. I know how old I am. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but my observation is no one is perfect, even in the kingdom of God. And by perfect, I don't mean nobody is has attained a level where they never do anything wrong. That's, that's also probably true. But my observation is there's not one man or woman of God that I've ever met that has no more problem being the man or woman of God they're supposed to be. He's still working on us. He's still perfecting us. Some are better or stronger in certain areas but I've never really seen anybody that's just got every area a strength and no area a weakness. And now the older I get and the more I see, the more I realize I think that's by God's design. He hasn't yet put the person on here that's got, uh, if, you, if you know Madden football, all 99s. Everything high, high, high. I know all, all my strengths and no weaknesses. I don't think he, I haven't met that person yet. It may be partly how the person is created, having a certain demeanor, a certain disposition. They could, they could be created to be really good at this. They have no problem doing that. This is, a, a, this is a, a strong area of their character and their personality, and it's like that stuff just comes easily and naturally to them, but not to everybody. I think that's part of it, but also part of it is they have learned to grow and to learn to allow themselves to be matured in areas, and that's by God's design. I don't want to read this whole passage. I'm going to try not to. I think most of us have seen and heard this passage before, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. But 
if you, if you start reading in verse 11, you won't find a period as far as the end of the thought until down in verse 16. That's, it's all one statement. Paul is, I used to call him the king of run-on sentences. He would start and he'd jump and he's still going and you think he's done, but no, he's still going. Like that famous, wait, there's more. I'm going to give you, but in, in each one of those verses, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, there is, I see a key word or phrase that links the whole thought. Let me try to put it this way. He gave for till that or so that but may grow unto edifying. And I know you think I'm having a stroke up here. No, I, those are the, those are the key words or phrases that link this, this thought to build on it just a little bit more. He gave, he being the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave the fivefold ministry for perfecting, for work and for edifying till or until we measure to Christ so that we be children no more, but may grow up to him unto edifying the working of the whole body. He didn't just like preaching so much that he wanted preachers around. He didn't just like prophesying so much that he wanted prophets around or teaching so much that he wanted teachers around. He gave for this purpose. He gave us, everybody say me. me. He gave us this for this purpose. To grow. Everybody say, to grow. to grow. <laughs> At my work, these last uh, couple of years, we, they started this tradition, a game, holidays, and it's, we get together and we play this uh, family feud kind of game. And in it, this last go-around, there was a question, what's the worst thing you can give your spouse for Christmas. <laughs> and I heard some of the answers that went around, and it was pretty funny. I think the first one that was that I heard was a gym membership. <laughs> the next one was some kind of exercise equipment. Why would you give somebody a gym membership? Well, you, would, you wouldn't, I don't think. <laughs> but why think about it on the other end of receiving him? What would you think if somebody gave you a gym membership? I am going to pay for you to go to the gym every day and work out. What would you think? 
What are you seeing that needs so much work? Now, God gave us for growth, for edification, for strengthening, for working. Dare I say, for working out, not physically, but spiritually. And don't take offense to that. I don't want to take offense to that. You mean you think I need an evangelist? What are you you trying to say? You think I need a teacher? What are you trying to say? No, he gave them for the perfecting of the saints. Tonight, I just want to look at one area that we can grow in. Allow me to rephrase that. I want us to look at one area in which we can grow. I couldn't end that in a preposition, sorry. I want us to look at this this area, as Elder Hart said, of the, the area or the idea of humility. The reason why I wanted to give some of those statements at the beginning is because, like other things, humility is something that might come a little more easily and naturally to some of us than to others of us. I'm starting there and I'm saying I don't care how much of it you might have or think you might have. We all need humility. We all need Godly humility. Would you turn to the book of First Peter, chapter five? First Peter, chapter five, verse five. It says, First Peter five and five. Likewise, ye younger. Everybody say that's me. There's no age limit on there. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Say, all of us. All of of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble, clothed with humility, clothed with humility. It doesn't even just say be humble. It says be clothed with humility. It's something that you wear. It's something that you're clothed in. There's a word there. There's a there's a there's a uh, spoiler right there. The fourth word of this verse: submit. You cannot separate the idea of humility from the idea of submitting. The next verse, verse five, says, "Humble yourselves, therefore." under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So verse 5 says, 
to be clothed with humility. And verse 6 says, to humble yourself. One, we, we, every now and then we play this Mad Libs game with the kids. And so you got to know your parts of speech, a noun, a verb, a proverb. Not a proverb, a pronoun. <laughs> That's what it's like playing with me. You got to know your proverbs if you want to play with me. So to be clothed with humility is a noun. It's kind of like to be clothed with a sweater. That's a noun. To humble yourself is a verb. One is an action. One is what I would say the result of those actions. To humble yourself means to submit yourself in a lowly spirit to the power and will of God. To be clothed with humility means having a humble opinion of oneself, modesty and lowliness of mind. I believe the last time I talked about this, the, the statement that I made was humble, being humble or having humility is not determined by what other people think of you, nor is it determined by what you think of yourself. Let me explain that a little bit. If you think I'm humble, you could be right or you could be wrong. But whether you think it or not does not mean I am or I am not. If you think I'm friendly, it's probably because I did something that showed myself friendly. Oh, he smiled. He shook my hand. He asked me how I'm doing. He, he was polite. Okay, those are things that are tied to my actions. If you say, oh, he's a humble person, you might be speaking of some actions that you might have seen me take or think that I took, but you have no idea whether they were actually true humility or not. So I don't get, I don't get my degree of humility from your perception of my humility. I also don't get it from my perception of myself. That's I'll be honest with you, that's probably where I lived for a, a large majority of my life, walking around, believe it's embarrassing to even say it, walking around thinking about how humble I must be. <laughs> oh, I don't have a problem with that. Whew, I must be pretty humble. That's not my issue. Wow, I must be pretty humble. I've never struggled in that area. I must be pretty humble. What am I doing? I'm convincing myself that I'm so humble. Where's the lowliness in that? There is none. So it's not your opinion of me, and it's not my opinion of me, my humility or lack thereof. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, 
through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Let me just remind you, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and he wrote this to the church in Rome. Every man among you, not just the elders, the youngers, the men, the women, the children, the newcomers, the old hats. Nope, I say it to every man among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's how you think about you. It's not how you think about your neighbor. It's not how you think about your spouse. It's not how you think about the elder or the usher or the musician or the church's neighbor. It's none of those things. It's how you think about you. And Paul says, it better not be any higher than it ought to be. I cannot walk around with an opinion of myself that is so high that the Lord's going to have trouble talking to me about me. Uh, let me just stop here and say this. If all the quote-unquote words from God that you always are getting are about other people, I'm going to question whether those words are really from God or not. And I'm not talking about anybody here, okay? Don't get, nobody here has told me a word any time in, in the last decade or so. <laughs> so don't be worried that I'm trying to pick on a situation here. But examine if if it is supposedly the Lord always talking to you about brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and how they need to get their act together, or it would be great if they could finally conquer this, or maybe they should, they, they're having trouble overcoming that. Where is the self in there? Or is the self way up here looking down at all those that I'm getting words about? Oh, man, uh, thank the Lord I don't deal with that. You know what? It might even be my, maybe the Lord needs me to go and tell him about how low he is. Maybe the Lord needs me to go and just not really tell her that she's wrong, but kind of tell her she's wrong without telling her she's wrong. <sighs> what is that? If I am thinking of myself more every, I, I promise you, when, you're, when you have the right, proper perspective, there might be a direct word. I might call out Brother Martin and say, Brother Martin, you need to get your act together. And somebody sitting over there in the back in the corner, the person sitting in the back in the corner might should be saying, Lord, is that for me too? Or have I, that is a word from you and you don't lie. You don't make stuff up. So if it's a word for him, is that right in me? Is that correct in me? Or is my day coming still? Every word from God is yea and amen. It's true. It's said and it's true. Whether it looks like it's talking to your 12-year-old daughter or not, it's true for everybody. But I'm going to miss a lot of these words 
If my opinion of myself is not as it should be, but higher than it should be. There is a term here. I'll just mention it quickly where it says to be to think more highly than he ought to think of himself. The term that we might use in our in our vocabulary is the word arrogant. I say that word and you you might understand it a little bit more because you've witnessed what arrogance is like either in yourself or in others. Paul simply could have said, all you Romans, listen to me. None of you needs to be arrogant. That's what he's saying. But I'm arrogant if I'm thinking I'm up here. Nobody else is up here, but I'm up here. This. Hmm. I mentioned this. Chapter, uh, look at verse 2 where we just read, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. I'm sure you, most of you have heard verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because there is a way of this world that says, you need to have at least a little bit of arrogance so you're looking out for yourself. You need to have a little bit of you know, self-esteem just to make it through your day and, and get the things you want to get and go the places you want to go. The way of this world, if I'm not transformed if in my mind, is going to be what verse 3 says, thinking of myself more highly than I ought to. How about this one? It's not changing the meaning more frequently of myself than I ought to. It's not just degrees as high and low, but if I can't think about anybody else because I'm always thinking about me, I haven't perfected this yet. It's another trick that I see in this day and age, now that we're in 2023, it takes on different forms, different terms, different terminologies, but always putting self at the center of a topic, at the center of a focus. When I was, when I was somewhere younger, the saying was, be the best you. And then at another season of life, it was live your best life. And at another, you see, it doesn't change. The idea is me, 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 me. I need me to be good me. In 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about love. And one of the things that it says about love is seeks not her own. Love seeketh not her own. What does that mean? It means me looking out for me is not the way love works. And the only one getting loved there is me. And that is not a Christian example. I, I, can, I, I can only think of one time in all of Scripture 
where Jesus said, don't touch me. It's after he rose from the dead. But you got to know there was people reaching out for him, trying to grab his clothes, trying to get his attention, yelling his name, you know, getting all up on him, putting their hair on his feet for crying out loud. And never once did he say, oh, I don't need this. I wish you'd stay away. Give me some space. I need room. I can't even breathe. No, he knew every one of these I love. And I can either seek myself or I can love, but I can't do both. So again, what does it mean to be humble? It means to submit. Not simply to submit and let other people tell you what to do. To submit to God in the right spirit. The will of God. The word of God. What are some ways that you can humble yourself? Because I said it's an action. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a verb in that context to humble yourself. What are some ways that you can humble yourself? When I thought of that, the first scripture that came to my mind is the verse that says, to mortify the deeds of your body. Really, so to mortify means to kill. That's what mortify means. The deeds means the actions, the works, the things I want to do. And of my body is my body. My body wants to do things. Kill those things. That's what that scripture means. Who am I submitting to then in that instance? If, if I said you can't, you can't separate humbling and submitting... I'm, I am submitting to the Christ nature in me. If I'm mortifying the deeds of my body. If I'm not, I'm still submitting, but I'm submitting to the Caleb nature in me. The Caleb nature in me loves a good pepperoni pizza. Ooh, I love them. And the Caleb in me has no problem picking one up, taking a nice bite out of it. What is that? That's just a deed of my body. To order one is a deed of my body. To wait patiently. Oh, that's still a deed of my body, and I don't like that part. But all right, it's ready. Good. Now I can partake. I'm just saying those are deeds of the body. Those are things that I like to do. And the scripture says to mortify, to kill, to put an end to. That's just an example. Lord willing, there will be more pepperoni pizza in my future. I claim it in Jesus' name. But if there is a struggle between the Christ nature in me and the me nature in me, exemplified in just that little analogy, I might have to get to the point where which one of these 
is actually going to win this battle. And if it's always the same one winning and it's not the Lord, there's something wrong. Do I need to have Brother Ethan come back and sing victory again? Victory in the name of Jesus over what? Over me. Over my will. Over my desires. If I'm not winning those victories, I have no right to expect any other victory. So that's the first way you can humble yourself. Tell yourself no. That's a big one. Tell yourself no. To deny yourself. Here's another one. It's kind of in the same family, but it's a little more specific to another area of the body, which is your tongue. You ever heard this saying, bite your tongue. Hold your tongue. That's in a way that you can humble yourself. Do you know that? If you've got a word that you really want to say, but then you maybe don't say it, what have you done? You have stopped the action of the body. If you can't, I, no, I'm not, I'm not saying do, you can't ever express your thoughts or opinions ever again. There's no room for that in the kingdom. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is if you cannot have a thought come into your mind and then the, also the thought, I probably shouldn't say that and not say it. There's not a lot of humility there. I promise you the Lord does not want you to say every single thought that comes into your mind. He doesn't. So if I am saying every single thought that comes into my mind and not once have I ever told myself, I probably shouldn't say it. Let's try to win victory by not saying it. And if I can't do that, Hmm. I'm just talking about a way to humble myself. I can tell you right now, me and Brother Rigo have no problem walking away from an argument, do we, Brother Rigo? You know what? This argument is going nowhere. I'm done. See ya. I told you at the beginning, there's some people that have character traits unlike others. That's not a problem for me. To stop talking and walk away is not a problem for me. I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying it's parts of me that are not in everybody. There are things that are easy for you that are not easy for me. But as soon as I know I probably shouldn't say that, now i got a battle. Now I've got something. Am I going to say it or am I not? Yeah. I'm just telling you ways you can humble yourself. Here's one. Two-parter. Ask for advice. That's the easy part. Try to follow that advice. What is that doing? It's practicing humility. There are some days... This is just another small example. There are some days I've got my outfit picked out, the shirt, the tie, all that. I'm ready to go. And then I see another tie and I'm like, 
uh, no, I'll stick with the one I got. And then I'm like, wait, no, let me ask my wife what she thinks. And you know what? Whichever one she says, I'm just going to wear it. I don't even care. I'm just going to wear it. I'm not going to say, well, that's not the one I would have picked. In fact, which one of these two looks better? No. What am I doing? I'm asking for advice, and then I'm saying I'm going to follow it. What am I really doing? I'm practicing humility. It's a small thing, I know. Unless I really don't like that tie, and then all day I'm like, um, the Lord's working on me. <laughs> but to ask for advice, and then not just, oh, good, I, I asked. Wow, that was hard. No. You're asking to learn to see if you can practice submission. <laughs> Some of us, that first step is an act of submission to even ask. I don't even care what they're going to say. I don't care. Ask anyways. But I know they're going to tell me the wrong thing. Ask anyways. You're working on you, not them. You're working on you. What are ways you can humble yourself? Ask for advice. Try to follow it. <laughs> Here's another one. I touched on this a little bit already. But seek the good of other people. Look for something that you're not going to benefit from and say, that would only be good for that person. Can I still do it? No, there's no, there's no benefit in that for me. I don't, so what? It's not about you. If it's humility, it's about others. And then, you know what? I, I'm still not great at it, but I like to give gifts to people. Why? Because I've learned that, that the act of giving the gift unlocks a part of me that usually stays psh, locked right up. Not because I'm not, I don't like to. It's just something I don't think about. I don't consider, usually, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? What could I do that's going to help them? What kind of day are they having? What kind of word or expression or greeting might be good for them right now? Nope. It's tunnel vision for me 24-7, and I'm not thinking about anybody else, and I just go out throughout my day. And I'm just telling you, it's easy to get in that mindset and live that life. And then you realize, I haven't done anything for anybody since however long. How do you break that cycle? You just do something nice for somebody. Here, uh, okay. Really quick, another word of, of advice. Offering to do something nice is not really doing something nice. All right? There's a difference in... Let me know if you need anything. And, oh, maybe they need this. I'm going to do it. There's a difference. I'm not saying one's always better than the other, okay? It's not a bad idea to ask for input and help. But a way that I can humble myself is to look for the good for somebody else. Here's the last way I'll say a way that I can humble myself. Learn 
that I am not always right. That's step one. And then admit when I'm wrong. That's step two. And again, that's the harder part for a lot of us is to say, you were right. I was wrong. But what are we talking about? Humility. If I cannot ever admit that I was ever wrong, I better check my humility level. If I always have to be right, if everything that I've done is at least right in some part because I'm the one that did it, <laughs> there's no humility there. But I would do it better. Where's the humility there? Learn that you are not always right and admit when you are wrong. I want you to look at one more verse, one more passage here. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. So we've already said a couple of these terms, lowly and humility. Jesus speaking here says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. A another word for lowly there is humble. Learn of me because I'm humble. I, he, if anybody can say it, he's the only one that can say it. You shall find rest unto your souls. To be meek there, it speaks of gentleness. To be gentle and mild. Mild, yeah, mild is in like Taco Bell, mild sauce, not the hot stuff. <laughs> mild. It's not going to burn you. It's mild. Learn of me, for I am gentle and mild. I want to read you this quick note about the idea of, of meekness here and gentleness. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. Where do we get the term gentleman from? I had a little, I had a book when I was probably 12 years old. I started reading this. I think my mom just conveniently placed it somewhere that she knew I'd see it. And it was, it, it, she knew if it was a big book, I wouldn't read it. So it was a small one. And I read it. And every page only had about 10 words on it. And it was how to be a gentleman. And I would just read a page, read a page. Okay. What's the, well, what's the idea of a gentleman? If somebody slams the door in your face when you're carrying arm full of stuff, oh, he's such a gentleman. <laughs> no, he's a self-seeker. But if you got your arms full and he notices 
and he holds the door open for you or offers to help, then we'll say, oh, he's such a gentleman. Think about it. Gentle man. He's gentle. How? Not as in like, oh, soft little, you know. <laughs> gentle in the, in the sense of he's looking out for others. Take my yoke because I am gentle. I'm looking out for others. And lowly in heart. I'm going to remind you really quickly that one of the fruits of the Spirit is meekness. There's this idea. I'm almost done. I'm not going to take too much longer. But before I finish, I, want, I just want to show you this quickly in the Scripture. Yoke. Take my yoke upon you. This, all the Lord can do is make His yoke available to us. He does not come and put it on us or throw it at us or knock us upside the head with it. Take that. No. He puts it right here and He says... Come take this. Take this yoke, my yoke upon you. In, in the book of Acts chapter 15, it speaks of as the Holy Ghost was spreading and the church was growing and especially reaching Gentile nations. It speaks of men. It's, it says they were believers, but they were believers of the Pharisees, meaning they used to be Pharisees before they came, became believers. And part of their Pharisee nature said, even though we are all common believers now, somebody needs to teach those Gentiles how to be real us. Make them do this. Teach them the laws of Moses. Make them go back and start here. And they got to do this just like we had to do here and here and here. And then you, you probably are familiar with this passage. But then it says the disciples, the apostles, they got together, convened on this subject and said, what are we going to do about this? Because there are people out there discouraging the Gentile believers and saying what they've done is not enough. We, they got to do more. So they convene. Peter steps up. He says, men, you know, I was the first one to reach the Gentiles. God gave me the vision. He gave me the direction of how to go and minister to Gentiles. I did that, and he saved them. They responded. It all went according to his plan, and nowhere in his plan did it say, make them also do this. Teach them the laws of Moses. Make Make them enroll in Pentateuch classes. He didn't tell me that. If he would have told me that, that would change the conversation. But because it was men's idea somewhere that said, we've got to make this more challenging for them. If you read it twice in that chapter in Acts 15, it speaks in, in terms just like this. We shouldn't make their burden any harder we 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 it didn't seem necessary to the holy ghost is the way that I think paul's the one that put it that way or james put
Put it that way. It didn't seem, it only seemed necessary to the Holy Ghost for us to tell you these things and not put more on you. Jesus says, the only things I want on you is my yoke, my character, my nature, nothing else. Why? Because then you're going to try to start appeasing your neighbors. You're going to try to start doing things for their sake to prove that you're a Christian. And all of a sudden, there's no humility left there. If you want to look it up later, it's Acts 15.10. Why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our father nor us were able to bear? The last thing I want to talk about is those last two words after lowly, it says in heart. I am meek and lowly in heart. Not in word, not in action, not in thought, in heart. This is, this is the inner me. The one that only me and the Lord knows. That's where there has to be meekness, lowliness. See, I can convince you all that I am humble, that I do seek the good of others. I can try, I, I can make it my attempts to get through the next year, 2023. It's the year of me proving to you that I'm humble. And if I've done that, all I've done is waste a year. Because even if I succeed in making you, convincing you, that I'm humble, I have not gotten any more humble. But if, if I make 23 the year to get humble in here, humble in heart, then, sure, maybe around October, november -ish, you might have started to notice a change in me. But I promise you, every day, Throughout the day, the Lord's going to be checking up on me. Here's a chance for you to be humble right here. I don't need another chance to be humble. Do you want to be humble or not? Here's another chance for you to be humble. Because you, a lot of, I know I've equated a lot of this for doing things for people. Okay? And that is an element of it. But truly what it is is for the Lord and me submitting to him. You're, you're, think just for a moment, if you would. In your own mind, think of the most Christian person you ever knew. Don't say it out loud. Think of somebody you think, oh, they were such a Christian. Whatever to whatever degree you can know, engage their relationship with the Lord, I promise you somewhere in there, probably right towards the top, is they did things for people. But 
That's not what makes them a Christian, even to you, I'm sure. You recognize they walked with the Lord. They are close to the Lord. They talk, they hear from God, and they're led by Him. Now, if I said, think of the least Christian person you know, I don't want you to even do it. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> now, if that person did something nice for you or for somebody else, would you now think, oh, they're such a Christian. They're so humble. No, you would just think, what are they trying to pull over on somebody? <laughs> they're, trying to, they're, they're trying to convince somebody of something false. So, if the most Christian person you know can do things for people and does things for people, and the least Christian person you know could do something nice for somebody else, doing something nice for somebody does not make you Christian. It's not even a true characteristic of humility. The humble, I've already said it, I'm not trying to reteach this again, the humble will seek what's good for others. Why? Because they are interested in being like Christ, and Christ gave his life for others. There will be qualities and characteristics of Christ that develop and get more strong, stronger and stronger in the person as they become more humble but if they're seeking that instead of him, they're not going to get there. Meek and lowly in heart. This is inwardly. It's not about the image that you project. In fact... To really, really do this, you probably need to strike the words humble and humility from your vocabulary for a week so that you don't equate it to what am I doing? You need to seek the Lord. Submit to him. That's what it means to be humble is to submit to the will of God. Last thing I'm going to say. Our dog, our, our beagle Van Gogh, he drives me crazy because he can get a humble look just like that. <laughs> He's done something wrong or he hears the tone and all of a sudden it's... Boy, that's not real. Wipe that look off your face. I know you. I know what you were doing 30 seconds ago and it sure wasn't that. But he puts that look on. This is why I'm trying to tell us humility is not a look. It's not, it's not an attitude. It's not a disposition. Oh, I'll just walk around. I'll try to look more humble. You can stand with me. Lord. I desire for you to be formed in me. I desire for your humility, God, and every other aspect, every other characteristic and quality of your nature, Jesus. The things that you want to produce in me, O oh God.
the thoughts that you want to produce in me, Lord Jesus. The actions and the attitudes, God, because I'm seeking you, Jesus, because I'm desiring you to be formed in me. God, I'm desiring your spirit to flow in me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God, let it be formed in me. Lord, let it become a part of my nature. God, because it's your nature, I want to seek after you, Lord Jesus. Come on, make this your prayer for just a little bit here. I feel the presence of God. He wants to help. He wants to impart. He wants to lead. Would you let the Lord lead you? Would you let him impart to you? Lord, I open my spirit to you right now. I open my spirit to you, Jesus. God, I want you to check my words. I want you to check my actions. Check my attitude, Lord Jesus. Let my thoughts be directed by you, God. Let my thoughts be led by you, I pray. Cleanse my mind right now, I pray, Jesus. God, anything that's not true that I've heard, oh God, anything that was taught to me in error, Lord, I pray, let it be cleansed, and I pray, replace it with the word of truth, God. Replace it with wisdom from you, Lord Jesus. God, I want to live as you would have me live. I want to walk, God, as you would have me walk. In the name of Jesus, I'm submitted to you, God. I'm surrendered to you, Lord Jesus. Would you talk to the Lord a little longer? Come on. Come on, talk to the Lord. God, whatever you need to do in me, whatever words, God, I need to hear, I want to hear them, Lord Jesus. Lead me in your word, I pray. God, show me these things in your word because I want it to be you developed in me. I want it to be you formed in me, Lord Jesus. God, I'm not just looking for the approval of men. God, and I'm not just trying to satisfy my conscience, Lord, but I want to be truly led by you. I want to be truly formed by you. I pray in the taking on of your yoke, Father. Lead us, I pray, in the taking on of your yoke. That your will would be done in us and with us and through us according to these words spoken in our hearing tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Not a temporary passing thought, but Lord, let it consume us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let it become a posture. Let it become a posture in prayer before you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Thank you, Elder Flowers. Amen. We need this word.
We need this word. And we need to pray through it. We need to put it into practice, these applicable things. And we must take on the yoke. We must take on the yoke. I don't know about you, I was praying and it was sort of like, and do I pray and ask for humility or is that? Um, I know that's sort of lighthearted. I'm not trying to be funny, but I find myself processing, thinking about some of this teaching in this ministry. And it, it comes back to right the heart, the motive. It's my motive. Right. Let's remember how we started here. The Lord desires the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation in the body. The Lord desires the fruit of the Spirit to be manifested, to produced and manifested in the body. All of those things are to serve others. But they're to serve others without drawing attention to self. They're to serve others and draw attention to Him. The gifts of the Spirit are to minister to others so that He's glorified. The fruit of the Spirit is to feed others so that they are reconciled to Him. Without humility, it becomes about us. Thank you for the Word. Thank you for your reception. Remember the why. In heart, so much in there, in heart. That's my motive, right? My motive. Praise God. Praise God. Probably worth going back and listening again. For the body, for the tongue, for the actions, for service to others. I know many of you become great note takers on Thursday nights. You maybe just go back through your notes again. I want to put the word of God into action. Amen. I'm going to give you a Bible study. Philippians chapter three. Read Philippians chapter three and you'll see the thread of all of these different things that Elder Flowers ministered in the Holy Ghost about tonight. You'll find it woven in Philippians three lowliness, esteem, obedience, which is submission, humbling self. It's all talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Thank you for your openness to the word of God and your reception of it. Let it be sealed on our hearts. Amen. Can we thank the Lord right now before we go? Father, we thank you for your precious, powerful word.